welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to the Fireside Chat 2017. I'm, of course, Father Nathan Goebel, pastor of St. Joan of Arc. With me is Father Michael O'Loughlin. Hello. He's a pastor of Holy Protection of the Mother of God. This is our first fireside chat at Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Um, well, thank you for listening. This is a J10 initiative. <laughs> You're way too good at that. We have lit a fire in the Dungeons and Dragons room as it is a rainy day here in uh, Arvada, Colorado, hoping that the rain soon turns to snow and our lives would be replete with the bounty of the Nieva as the Spaniards call it. <laughs> uh, I wish you could hear that fire crackling. This is perfect. Crick crackling. And Welcome to Catholic Stuff. And Rise of about to enjoy probably one of my favorite weeks of my life coming up. Thanksgiving In week? In Italy. Oh, yeah. I'm just traveling. Yep. Companions trip. They know about this because I actually did listen to the other podcast. And yeah, guys. My, my, Mike and John talked about it, too. Father Mike and Father John, excuse me. I will say that Father Joseph Lajoie and Father Jason Wunsch were rather annoyed at your statement. Um, if you're saying that Father Matt Book, Father Brian Larkin, and Father Greg Peterson don't listen, that's probably true. Um, <laughs> right. Now their parishioners who do listen will tell them that we talked about them, and then you know maybe they'll listen to this one. But Right. There you go. We said their names. Well, actually, I forget where. Oh, I was at uh, I was at lunch with uh, with you guys on Thursday, and yep. I asked you a question about if I had talked about a certain topic, and Wunch and Lejoie were both there, and they were both like, "Nope," <laughs> like no. they knew better than we did what we've talked about and what we haven't. Yeah, well, I mean, it's true friends. True, true. Friends. It's hard. It's hard to do them back to back. Yeah, because you you lose something about. You know, like in the second podcast, it's like, what are we even talking about? Um, but they're listening to it one week after the other. So, well, yeah, that's true. And and I get because my topics all blend together because I do the podcast and of course preaching. Then like sometimes theology on taps and things like that. So there's all these times where I'm talking and mm-hmm. I'm so disorganized in my talks that it just I've thought about that. I'm sure I talked right. about it somewhere. Was it the podcast or somewhere else? And yeah, yep. That, it, that fire's oh, going well now. It is. And I apologize. I'm probably going to be sniffling into the microphone because I have a lingering cold. Oh. Ah, so I, I thought you were going to talk about um, your esophageal restriction. Oh, I have this thing called an esophageal stricture, and I almost panicked, Father Nathan. Yep. I almost experienced the, the Goebel Heimlich. That's right. <laughs> I was eating and... You almost got a celibate <laughs> pelvic thrust for all the right reasons. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I, this happens. I have, a, I have what's called an esophageal structure, two of them in my esophagus, and they, they tighten up one like about six inches below my throat and one about my Adam's apple, and two very different things happen. If it goes all the way down to the one like six inches below, then uh-huh. I just can't, I can't eat or drink anything for until it goes down. And then if I get the one higher, this is quite the quite the conversation. I hope, I hope you guys aren't eating. <laughs> and the, the one up higher is just, I, I can't, if something gets stuck there, I can't breathe or swallow or anything yep. like that. It's horrible, but I've never had trouble, but I had to just very silently leave the table where Father Nathan and I were eating dinner. It wasn't silently. <laughs> he just got up very quickly, and I noticed <laughs> that he wasn't breathing, uh, and I saw him run uh, away, and I was like, are you choking? I yelled after him. And then I couldn't respond. <laughs> and then I heard like, oh, good. <laughs> Which I'm like, these are important things to know because, like, if you were allergic to bees right. and you got stung by a bee and you couldn't tell me, you know, right. do I need right. to know anything else? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Do you have hepatitis? No. Okay. You work a lot with the homeless, so. I have a, a very, nah, I won't go. <laughs> I, just, I just want, I want, I want people to appreciate that I almost just said something that was scandalous. Nice. And I, I resisted. I didn't. I have tuberculosis, yeah. okay. but, you know, like. <laughs> The only way the only way the companions will ever be susceptible to that is if I get if I form active TB, which is like you have to be completely run down. So you're being sick. serious. You yeah. actually have to. Wow, okay. I do. Yeah, didn't I tell that story? I don't think so. Really? So um, I think I have. Oh, is this India or something like that? Yeah. So uh, well, okay. it, I don't. It, I definitely got it in India. Okay. But um, so uh, I took the. You know, you have to take the test 
They yeah. like poke you. Little bubbles on yeah, your Yeah, and then yeah. they measure, you know? So I didn't even look. I was wearing a long sleeve uh, clerical shirt. Okay. I didn't even look at my arm. Okay. And uh, when it came time to measure, right. like the the spot, the first guy went, that was Michael Kovaleski, and uh, she's like, yeah, you're fine. It's okay. And then I unroll my sleeve, and <laughs> mine is like, like seriously the size of a silver dollar. Oh, my god! And uh, the lady's eyes got so wide, and she goes, um... You need to go get a chest X-ray, um, and um, I, I don't really know what else to tell you. Like, I mean, you need to go to here. Uh, they, you know, she was trying to be calm, but I was right. like, "So, what is this <laughs> test for?" And she's like, right. "Tuberculosis." I was like, "Oh, that's great!" Wow, because Saint Therese died of tuberculosis. Say, and you're in good company, Doc Holiday. Well, who who was it? Who was the saint? Multiple saints, I think, that had, had really big hearts, like physically large hearts. Was that Teresa Avila? Philip Neary. Philip Neary. Yeah. And uh, I, I I actually have a heart that's too big for my body, but it's not it's not a holiness thing. It's it's a disorder. <laughs> but yeah. my, my my the muscles in my heart are, are so thick that it that it, it pumps too hard, and they could actually be unhealthy. But the the doctor described it as yeah your 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 heart muscle is like too big so you know you, you'd see it in an X ray too your heart is bigger than it should be and my my first arrogant thought goes ooh exactly <laughs> and then I'm like crap this could kill me actually pump so hard cardiologists want to find me <laughs> anyways uh, so yeah I got it my chest X ray it was actually really funny because the TB clinic was located right next to the STD clinic. Oh. Um, and uh, I would show up in my clerics, and I would walk in the same building, oh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, then I would always like pretend to walk in the door, okay. and then be like, "Oh shoot, it's the other door," and then walk away, and then people's eyes would just be like. <gasps> so, anyways, well, I did that one time. I walked. Uh, I walked a friend of mine, a girl who was pregnant, and I walked her into a into a pregnancy center in my clerics, like just to support her. And I was getting such dirty looks. I'm like, come on people. Like come I on. Can't, can't a priest support one of his friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing in the See, end. I almost said something scandalous too. <laughs> we, we want to be commended for opportunities to say scandalous <laughs> no. things and not say. No. Them. So anyways, oh. yeah, I don't, I don't know much else. Um, we leave. We leave on Sunday for uh, our pilgrimage, yes. which, as I tell people, I'm like, it's a pilgrimage, and it is. Um, but the first part is more of conference, right? And you know, kind of retreat like atmosphere. And then the latter part is vacation, <laughs> where we go visit saints during the day and then party at night. But we're calling it pilgrimage. We're calling it pilgrimage, so that all of you are like, you know. Oh, that's so nice. I'm just calling it mission trip, and I have no excuse. <laughs> no. No, I mean, like, it's not that brothers. we're lying. It's not that yeah. we're lying. It is a pilgrimage. We are pilgrims. We're companions yeah. on a journey, yeah. breaking bread and sharing yeah. life. But I'm also taking vacation time for it. So even if people yeah. say it's, I'm like, no, I am. I'm taking vacation time for it, right. of course. Yeah, so am I. But yeah, it's going to be epic. Every single companion, St. Paul and Denver. Yep. That's How insane. many is it? I, I keep telling people there's 11 from Denver and 43, I think. Oh, I thought I thought I heard somebody say 41 total. I thought okay. I saw that in an email. 41 that's, total. That's crazy. Between St. Paul and Denver. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm all like nervous now because uh, we broke the hour mark. I know. We broke the hour I, mark and Father John always has his little... Clicking his little lady watch and, uh, you know, <laughs> keeping track of the banter. So, folks, that was approximately seven minutes of banter. I believe that is sufficient. So my world is the is the Facebook. That's where I see people's reactions because I check the Facebook. So on Facebook, whenever one of us says we went too long or comments on the time, people have a meltdown. They're like, stop worrying about the time. Just do what you do. And I'm like, I agree with you, brother or sister. Thank you. Yeah, so... Anyway, I don't yeah, think it's well, a big deal. It's fine. I went over. I've always tried to be under the hour mark. Uh, I had the second longest, but it was unedited. Father John's right. and Father Mike's were yes. both edited down to the level that you know they wanted. And to they listen. had a couple that were quite long. And I don't even know if Father long. John and Mike listened to this podcast. I don't even know if well, they this, listened this to the, the Denver test. side. This will be the test. This will be the test. John and Mike. Yeah. S- send us 
Yeah, what out? What photo? What (laughs) minute mark? What minute mark did we stop the banter at, Father John? It's fine. Good old Father John. So don't be. I I looked at my watch. We we've now been going for eleven minutes. That is a sufficient amount of banter. (laughs) It is. I was told that the legionnaires, uh, you were not allowed to say you were full when you finished your meal. Like, like I'm full. They said. They would say, I've reached a sufficiency. <laughs> so it's kind of like me whenever I'm looking in the cabinets and I say, I hunger and thirst for more than just righteousness. Okay. It's kind of like that. <laughs> Anywho. It's a pious quote. Dun, dun, dun. This is, uh, is going to be a really awkward downshift. That's why I'm like, I'm just being silent in between the banter because I'm waiting for you to be, begin the emotional transition. Well, I want, I want people to understand why. Why we're doing this. Man, that fire's amazing. It is. Um, okay, so we are in the month of November. Granted, this podcast is going to come out not on Thanksgiving Day, because that would be a little downer. Yeah. Um, so it'll come out in December, which it'll still be a downer, but... Um, Will it? It'll be, well, right by the transition. Huh? Thir- Thursday after Thanksgiving. I don't think that's December yet, is it? Mm, December 1st, Oh, maybe, maybe it's... Yeah, maybe it is. Okay. Never mind... Looking, today's the 17th. Yep, December 1st. Okay. Well, happy nope. December, everybody. Nope. <gasps> It'll be November 30th. Happy St. Andrew, everybody. You are correct. Nice. Because yesterday was 16th. Nice. Well, that's good. It's coming out in November. Rejoice. Amen. The last day of November is uh, St. Andrew, but the whole month of November, we pray for the souls of the faithful departed. Mm-hmm. Do you guys celebrate All Souls Day? We we have five of them. Nice. Three of them during Lent, one right before Lent uh, begins, and one right before Pentecost. Five oh. Saturdays, yeah. Yeah. So we do... It's actually really interesting because All Saints Day, which, as we talked about before, is All Hallows Day, All Holy Ones Day, preceded by All Hallows Eve, October 31st, is immediately uh, followed by um, All Souls Day. And even if All Souls Day falls on a Sunday, you must celebrate All Souls Day. Right, okay. Even though you do like a glory and everything else, like huh. it's the day in which you have to commemorate all the souls of the faithful departed. And in the month of November, all Christians and Catholics are asked to pray for the souls of their loved ones who have died. So um, in whatever manner... And and whatever time, like a, a miscarriage, um, someone who died like 95 years old, mm-hmm. lived the entirety of their life, um, someone who died in war, someone who died in uh, childbirth, whatever it might be, um, and even the souls of those who have died uh, with sin on, on their heart... Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a big difference between somebody who dies and they, they've made their confession, they've received the anointing, they're reconciled with their family members and friends, like they die a, a happy death. Mm-hmm. You know, we should pray for a happy death, which isn't just you're dying with a huge smile on your face, but rather you're reconciled, you're in peace and communion with all those around you, and you know you're, you're destined to meet your maker with hopefully a little more assurance of um, his compassion, his mercy, his um, his forgiveness in this life. Um, yeah. So in whatever ma- manner people pass away. And this month, um, I got a phone call from a parishioner of mine, and he said, um, he actually called on All Saints Day. Wow. He said, uh, I was actually just getting ready to leave to go do something else. Um, and, uh, and he said, do you have like, you know, 20 minutes or something like that? And I said, yes, you know, what is it? And he said, I want to know if you can celebrate a funeral for my daughter who passed away. And I was like, oh yeah, well, just talk to Andy and she does all of our funeral prep and everything. And he said, well, here's the deal. Um, she died through suicide. She committed suicide, uh, today. All Saints Day. Holy cow. Yeah. So uh, he said, I know that the Catholic Church has rules on whether or not you can receive a Catholic funeral, and um, I just wanted to know if it was possible. And immediately I just 
I mean, I was kind of rushing. I was like, I have a little bit of time. Like, you know, what is it? And then he tells me this, and I'm like, what an idiot. Hmm. Me, not him. Um, And uh, she was she was pregnant. Uh, She was four months along. And uh, I'm sorry for the awkward transition. It's just uh, at some point, you know, you got to get into the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's important for people to. To not just say like somebody died or somebody passed away or whatever, but especially when there's circumstances surrounding their death, to allow persons to pray and intercede specifically for that person and to mention it by name. Mm. Uh, not that we would glorify in it or uh, make it, you know, unimportant or so important, but to know something of the manner in which they, they mm-hmm. passed. Um, so he wanted to know, can you celebrate a, a Catholic funeral for one who has passed away through suicide? And I, of course, told him yes and explained the reasons why, which we're going to kind of go through uh, today. Um, but I didn't know, like, is there any, are there any specific prayers for people who have committed suicide in the, in the um, Byzantine church? Um, not that I know of. I don't know if there's any. Ancient ones. I've I've read new ones though. Like like you know the Akathist hymn is a is a type mm-hmm. of prayer, and there's ancient Akathist hymns like to the Theotokos and to our Lord. But then Akathists are one way that modern theologians have been able to kind of process modern issues. Like now there's an Akathist to the Mother of God, healer of those with cancer, you know things like that. So I I wouldn't be surprised if there's something more modern for that that is an authentic Byzantine tradition, but. Um, I have not read an ancient one. Um, it was now you've had me curious, though. Well, I mean, I I was I was pretty intrigued that uh, there is in the funeral rite of the Catholic Church mm-hmm. um, a prayer in the additional prayers for different rites and circumstances um, in the back of the in the back of the book, which is really helpful because it's got like for a baptized child for someone who died. Uh, after a long illness for a husband and wife, all these things. And the uh, the prayer for one who has uh, committed suicide doesn't mention the suicide at all. Um, huh. It doesn't say, like, this person committed suicide. It just says, um, you know, God who, who love everyone and who mourn the loss of, of all of your children, we pray that you might have mercy on this person and that their sins... Through the blood of the cross, maybe you know, blotted out and taken away, um, which you could pray for anybody. Yeah, I mean, every single person who yeah. kind of uh, you know dies, and that's beautiful in a way. You know, the, the the kind of the general Christian hope we have in the resurrection of Christ. If you just lost someone because of suicide, you don't want it to be that different than the ordinary way that Christ works with us who are weak and sinful. So kind of allowing to have a prayer that just sounds like a basic Christian prayer of hope in God's mercy through the power of his resurrection is would, you know, if I lost a loved one to suicide, I'd, I'd kind of want to say, yeah, it's, it's what this happens and, and Christ understands it and he offers his mercy to everyone. And we, we in the church are <clears throat> given the benefit of some knowledge through revelation of what Christ offers us in those situations and sometimes we just don't know and we're dumbfounded and we're asked to be con uh, you know content in our in our confusion yeah yeah i mean it's the only hope the only hope that we have is the cross and through the cross will come the the reconciliation and peace and mercy and opportunity for salvation and there's no other avenue by which we can be saved. Um, so all we're doing is going back really to the heart of the of the cross and saying, if this if this doesn't work in this situation, then we don't have any hope. Right. And yet in the cross we have all of our hope. Yeah. Place all of our hope. So um, anywho. Um, so I guess the question is, uh, who can you not celebrate a funeral for? Because there are certain people that you are not allowed to have a, a Catholic funeral for. Again, this is talking about um, 
how do I say it? We're not talking about physician-assisted suicide here. And I'll kind of delineate why, just briefly. Someone who goes through physician-assisted suicide has to be judged of sound mind and body. Right. Not body, but like they're in full possession sound of their mind, faculties. Yeah. And they have to be examined by a psych, you know, some psychiatric person and counselor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and they know what kind of decision they're making and they're choosing it for themselves. So they're choosing this act deliberately, willingly, with full knowledge and with the full understanding that this is not in communion with the church. For those who commit suicide by other means, and I'm, I don't need to go through them because they can be very, you know, painful to kind of bring up because more likely than not, we all know somebody mm-hmm. who has chosen to end their life. Mm-hmm. This is a serious sin. It offends God in a, in a multitude of ways. Um, it is a, a grave action um, to, to despair to the point where you say, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with this life anymore. And instead of seeing ourselves as custodians of our own life, we kind of say, um, I'm free to do with my life whatever I want. And the reality is you're not. Um, and uh, anyways, but there are people who, because of either mental illness, depression, anxiety, um, extreme trauma, mm-hmm. um, facing uh, a difficult situation, a divorce, the loss of a job, the loss of a child. Despair, hopelessness. Yeah. I mean, like, there are so many reasons why somebody somebody's uh, culpability can be mitigated. Mm-hmm. And in those situations, we acknowledge that they weren't in their right mind. They weren't in their right uh, frame, and they probably wouldn't have chosen that same action mm-hmm. if the the right amount of help or persons or or even just an openness to the to the power of 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 hope and god and conversion or whatever else would have been available to them i think that after they've done the action they they've repented mm-hmm. that many people repent they they look at it like this was not the right thing for me to to do mm-hmm. um in that regard we can say that because of the mental anguish that is possibly rec- recorded or not recorded um, we can say that they didn't choose this action fully and perhaps uh, wouldn't have intended it later, and we fall upon the mercy of God. Yeah. Whereas a person who commits physician-assisted suicide is saying, I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm I'm checking out, and it's time for me to check out. And uh, in that regard, the church has asked, at least in our diocese, um, and even told that those who have... Uh, sought and and you know performed the action of physician assisted suicide will be told by the uh priest that they're unable to celebrate a public funeral for them mm-hmm. um there can be burial there can be a, a committal all of those things but it won't be this it won't be the public celebration of the mass you can have masses said for on their behalf after the burial so as not to cause scandal. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting because uh, I, I know a guy who was in the Marines, and he said that if a Marine commits suicide, he's not given full honors. Really? And the reason being is if you give them full honors, yeah, in some way you're saying um, that if you want to do this, you could be glorified just like anybody else. Yeah. Anybody else who, who died in war and... Um, who came back. And the, one of the reasons why he said that is because he served in Vietnam. And there were a lot of guys who were, who were despairing, and rightfully so, perhaps, yeah. um, about their own state. And they had to call everybody in and say, this is not acceptable. Hmm. So um, any other thoughts on suicide before we get in why you can say the mass and whatever? Um. No, I, I think it's the what the other practice of the church that came into mind when you were saying that is the practice when the church kind of when Pope Benedict had to say, you know, we we do not believe in limbo for for the when children die unbaptized. We don't limbo was never a teaching of the church, but it was certainly a teaching of certain theologians in the church. So when he came out to clarify and just said, We don't have we don't believe in limbo, we we believe in a a hope 
that an unbaptized child mm-hmm. falls upon the mercy of God and therefore is in heaven. So th- th- there's limbo was this kind of theological concept to say we don't know. So in our lack of knowledge of there's no revelation about this. So in that we're going to kind of create this explanation for how that works because we don't want to say unbaptized children directly go to hell. That that just seemed very unchristian. Right. Um, and I think the same thing is here is that. We, we we live by the concept of hope. We don't know. We don't know that the person who committed suicide in every instance had a mental illness, or we don't know right. that, that they did it for some excusable reason. But in our lack of knowledge, we don't... We don't say we're not going to have a funeral because we don't know. We say we are going to have a funeral because we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that lack of knowledge... We respond to that with hope rather than despair and optimism rather than pessimism. And there was a time in, in the church where you weren't allowed to have a Catholic funeral. Right. And, right. and they would say, like, this was a, a grave, sinfully sinful action. And I mean, it still is. Um, but they would say they didn't have the same understanding of mental anguish right. and depression and chemical imbalance and whatever else. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if, if the Marines have changed that rule since the, since then, too. I don't know, because I understand that they would do it that way, because I, I in a sense, agree with it. We, we cannot, we cannot like, glorify, you know, the taking of one's own life. But I also say, it wouldn't the same thing hold true for soldiers, be even more so, that, that there's, there, there's probably some mental illness. Now, again, the Marines are not the church. It's a human institution. So yeah. they can make those decisions based upon human decisions. We are trying to reflect God's own will here. But anyway, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll have to look that up later on. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a Marine, as you yeah. know. That's um, my dad. The, uh, so again, we, this is a difficult topic because we, we never want to give suicide as a, an alternative or an option for any person right. because there is the danger that in some way we say, do what you want, and then, you know, God will take care of it. You know, no matter what, you're in the mercy of God. It's like, um, be careful, yeah. you know, be very careful. And, uh, and so... In whatever way, like you know, people who are dealing with depression, anxiety, uh, chemical imbalance, addictions, trauma, etc. I mean, talk to them, yeah. talk to them, encourage them, say, "I'm here if you ever need to talk." And these feelings can be understandable, but they shouldn't be kind of like dismissed. You know, really take it seriously. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and so in the face of that, in the face of suicide, because I don't, we could probably do a whole nother topic on uh, what does the church teach about suicide and um, what is, uh, you know, how can we actually have kind of hope that these persons have salvation. Right. The reason why we celebrate a Catholic funeral mass, well, the last, the three people, just in case you're like all freaking out. Oh my gosh. If you root for the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh no. <laughs> Um, so the question was, who can you not, you know, celebrate a funeral for? Right. And it is. Canon 1184 mentions only three cases, a notorious apostate, heretic, or schismatic. They've made themselves known to other people as one who has willingly given up the faith, one who has taught against the faith. Um, and perdures in that error until death, um, or schismatic, one who has knowingly and willingly separated themselves from the church and joined a schismatic group. Those who have requested cremation for motives contrary to the Christian faith, again, not cremation in general, but those who have requested cremation for motives contrary to the Christian faith, namely those who do not believe in the resurrection of the body, and those who manifestly say, none of this matters, we're not going anywhere after this. Right. So do whatever you want with my body. Right. Um, it's like, uh, what, why would you celebrate mass with that person? I mean, yeah. you still should. But uh, a funeral mass, that's not what they would want. And it's not what the church wants. And manifest sinners to whom a church funeral cannot be granted without causing public scandal to the faithful. Yeah. Like if uh, Kim Jong-il died 
and uh, you know they found a baptismal record from like you know forty years ago or whatever else, um, and he'd never shown any signs that he was actually baptized or mm. I mean he was actually baptized. Not that we know that, but um, but then you know. Somebody says, well, we should have a Catholic funeral for him. It's like, nah, not really. And not just like, I don't want to go to dictators. Like, they're super bad. There was a lot of discussion about whether or not Ted Kennedy should get a a Catholic funeral. Yeah. Because Ted Kennedy promoted uh, from his position on-demand abortion, Mm -hmm. late-term abortion, Mm -hmm. um, against the teachings of the church. And as many times as he was asked to repent, he never did. And... um, and then he died, and um, they gave him a funeral. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was the decision of Cardinal O'Malley, who I think both of us have great respect for. And, you know, that was a difficult one. Well, Cardinal O'Malley said, he, I mean, he, he, it took him a while, but he finally produced a letter. It was like just a one-page thing, maybe even one-paragraph thing, and it, and it pretty much said, I was at his bed when he was near death. Don't judge me. And it's like... Wow. He, he wasn't going to come out and say, he did go to confession, he did repent. He didn't say, he just said, wow. I was at his bed, it was near death. So, so like, I, I hear what you're saying, but, but I, I'm asking you not to judge because I was there. And I'm like, right. that, that, what a response. What a beautiful Well, and I've, I've had those situations <laughs> where I've had to say to somebody, are you sorry for all your sins, for everything that you yeah. may have done that has hurt yourself, hurt others, hurt God? And if they say yes... I don't say, and which ones are you most yeah. sorry for? You <laughs> right. know. Um, so, anyways, so those are the three cases. Okay, mm-hmm. suicide is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we have a duty, not just to console the family. A lot of people say funerals are for the family. Eh, kind of. Um, I think it's very important for the family, and I think it's important for people to grieve together and I think it's important for them to hear a word of encouragement and hope from the church um, to make sense out of this tragedy, whatever it might be. Even the death of, you know, your eighty six year old grandpa, it's a tragedy because yeah. I mean, people I mean, I found it very difficult to deal with death at, at a young age and even still like at times. Mm-hmm. Um but we also pray for the deceased. Right. And we offer a specific mass begging Jesus to receive them into his mercy. Yeah. Um, do you guys pray a prayer of commendation? We we actually, there, there's a tradition where we pray a prayer of absolution of sin. Oh, wow. Which is, again... It, it, you can it, do that at mine. Right. <laughs> so, that, I mean, the, the priest actually will take a piece of paper um, that says this person is absolved of all their sins and put it in the person's hand in the casket mm, wow. so that they can, in a sense, go to the judgment seat and open it up and say, by the prayers of the church, I'm absolved of my sin. Wow. What is bound on earth is bound in heaven. Yeah. And I have never done that myself, but I do pray the prayer of absolution because it's in our book. I'm yeah. like, why not? Yeah. I mean, we, we say, like, we don't, we ask him and then we say, forgive their sins. Yeah. Like, uh, that through your gracious mercy, they may be, you know, blotted out and taken away. Yeah. So we're actually interceding for that person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Father Brady gave a great homily. There was a kid that committed suicide in Boulder, mm-hmm. and uh, all of his friends were kind of like drinking and kind of saying, yeah, he was such a great guy and blah, blah, blah. And then they said, if anybody else has anything else to say, and Father Brady got up there because he's a stud, and uh, he said, "Let me tell you a story." You know, reading from the Gospel according to Matthew or something. And he told, the, he read them the, the the story from the Gospel of the paralytic brought by his friends, lowered mm. through the roof to Jesus's feet. Yeah. And that man could not, by his own power, um, ask for you know healing or mercy or. Uh, whatever. And Jesus actually says, your sins are forgiven. Not mm-hmm. you're healed, but rather your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like, what? This guy can't forgive sins. And then he actually says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. I say to you, rise, take up your mat and walk. Mm-hmm. And then the dude gets up. And so Brady, Father Brady like likened that to, as his friends, yeah. you need to tear the roof off. Yeah. And you need to lower him down before Jesus' feet and say, have mercy on this man. Yeah. And so that's what funerals are about. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people 
refuse to call it a funeral and still use this modern celebration of oh, life. I can't stand it. Because it's like, there's nothing, okay, have a celebration of life, but that's not what the funeral is. Yeah. Like, have a whole separate event where you tell stories and right. say, he had a great life. That, that, that's not a bad thing to do, but the funeral is not that. And, and we're missing out on the benefit, the, the prayers for the Mass and the Divine Liturgy at a funeral are of such immense benefit to the soul that I think the devil's in that. The devil's convincing yeah. people that, that the funeral is only for the family. Now, I think the funeral is for a family for yes. the reasons that we're talking about, yeah. because th- there's, there's a lack of scandal there. And I do think for someone, came to mind earlier, when, uh, for someone who has committed suicide, like you, you, one of the reasons why the church in a human way says that we can have funerals is because like that is w- the funeral for someone who's committed suicide is one of the most heart-wrenching things. And I know yeah. some people might say, I want something this heart-wrenching for me. If they don't get a lot of attention, if they don't feel in control of their life, they might be attracted to that because it's so heart-wrenching. But I think if it's done well, it's it's the, the, the amount of mourning that is done and the, the amount of confusion and, and guilt that happens in when not only at the funeral but with family and friends when they reflect upon a suicide like that for someone who's in their right mind should dissuade us from hurting people that much rather than encourage us so in that sense a funeral can be for the if, if so it doesn't we can't do it if it's going to cause scandal so in that sense it is for the people that are there and and the the, the closure that comes from it and all those things is for the people but the main reason for a funeral is that the gathered community, the rest of the body of Christ can, as one body, pray for the soul of one of their members who is gone. And, I mean, the family wants to know, is there hope for my loved one? And the right. church actually yeah. prays that we may have hope uh, only in Christ. And because, I mean, they, it's it's tragic, it's horrible. I mean, yeah. what a... What a painful, painful situation. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyways, the uh, the family was certainly consoled with the knowledge that they would be able to have a funeral and after the funeral. Um, but I think it wasn't just, we feel better now because we got to grieve. Right. They feel better now because we prayed and interceded for their child and for right. their grandchild. Right. Um, and this, this, this husband for his wife and, yeah. and really asking Jesus, Lord, you need to have an answer for this. Right. And it, I I prayed and prayed. I mean, I have not... Usually for funeral homilies, it just comes together, and this one didn't come mm-hmm. together. And I was just... I was not in a good place beforehand, because I just felt the pressure of, they need a word of hope. Yeah. They need a word of hope. What are you going to say, Jesus? And, and then the words just came of, why are we here? Hmm. Why are we here? Like, why... Why do we come to this place, and how do we get to this place? Why are we here? Um, and I think that there's such an absence when there's a sudden death and, and, and for somebody to take their own life. Uh, there's just this emptiness, and, and you know, there's always an emptiness when somebody dies, but like you kind of sense like this greater absence, like... It shouldn't be this way. Mm-hmm. This is unnatural. Like one of the most basic natural principles of our, like even our bodies, is self-preservation. We heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like our body wants to stay mm-hmm. alive. We eat. We we hunger. We eat. We thirst. We drink. You know. We 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 need sleep. You know. We're all. It's all about healing. And then this is like so unnatural, which means it's not part of the order of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So anyways, but we come together to to pray for this person, and th- it was packed, man. Mm-hmm. 1,200 people. Um, there, were, there were people everywhere, um, and uh, I almost used that, but I felt like I would be stealing Father Brady's thunder. But, I mean, that's what it looked like. The room was completely yeah. packed, and, um, you know, they had, to, they had to tear the roof off in order to get to the person. Huh. Nice. And uh, anyways, uh, so everyone there was looking for a word, hmm. a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a, you know, some kind of, just tell me there's, tell me there's, tell me there's a way. Yeah. Because I think people realize this is, this is grave. Yeah. This is wrong. You know, there's something beautiful about that because 
we go to funerals, and one of the things they serve, the purposes they serve is, is to give us hope, and we want to hear that word of hope. This should, this should make us even more desirous of not only hearing words of hope, but hearing words of objective truth in like the sacrament of confession. Because yeah. in the sacrament of confession, the priest says, you are forgiven. Not we hope you're forgiven. Right. You know, the, so, so, I mean, when, when I immerse my own sin and like, if I'm so needy as I should be as a human being to hear words of hope, like go to confession because in confession, you actually hear God forgives you and I in persona Christi forgive you of right. your sins. You know, anyway, we, we need, we are, we are sacramental creatures who need to, to tap into the, the blood flow of the body of Christ in these moments, these gifts of the church for us. And, and these things give us consolation. They give us hope. They, they make us feel like real Christians again when, we, when we've been out of sync for whatever reason. Yeah, the one of the passages that it, it kind of links to is uh, Isaiah one eighteen. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be become white as wool. Hmm. I mean, is a person who commits suicide more sinful than one who continually abuses another yeah. in in a whole host of ways throughout their life? Hmm. You know. Did they have full possession of their own faculties, their own will? Did they choose this? Did they repent of it? All of those things. Um, but either way, like, only in Jesus can our sins, though like scarlet, can become white, yeah. you know? And um, and the the comfort that I think people need to hear in whatever funeral it is, and especially at this one, was uh, sin is real. It has real effects. Yeah. Our choices affect one another. Mm-hmm. Christ alone is able to save us from our sins. Yeah. And uh, what we do now is we entrust this person to the mercy of God. And if you're going to bank on anything, bank on the mercy of God. Um, and uh, it was beautiful because, you know, part of what I had to, you know, meditate on is I was actually celebrating two funerals, yeah, you know, because right. she was, you know, she was pregnant and. And again, I don't want to go through too much of the backstory uh, because it's a it's a private matter. But I will say, postpartum depression is real. Mm-hmm. Brain chemistry is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, changing your brain chem- chemistry through uh, like uh, you know depression meds, mm-hmm. and then not getting the right dosage and like mm-hmm. going off your meds and whatever. Like this stuff is real. Yeah. And if you know someone who's going through depression or postpartum depression or any kind of any kind of mental illness like be present in a in a in a kind way in a gentle way but if they get to a point where they start just admitting that there is a you know even suicidal ideations get them help mm-hmm. get them help um but the people the people you know all I w- all I was able to say to them was it's it's Jesus sin is real and Jesus alone can save us from our sins, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And uh, and that's the reason why we celebrate we celebrate that mass. And that was what I was saying. I was celebrating two funerals. Yeah. So one of the things I was meditating on was when when this person went to heaven, went to judgment before God. She stood with her unborn child, yeah. like her unborn child was in some ways her accuser mm. because her sin had an effect. On him, right. or yeah, him, and yet, like in Christ, that child was able to say, "I desire my mother mm-hmm. to be with me," an intercessor, um, and yeah. actually, actually communicate like forgiveness to her. Yeah. And yeah. she, and I, I, I do have you know a, a strong belief that um, that Christ was able to save her mm-hmm. and did save her. Um, she's. I mean, the the weird thing was she was a Catholic school teacher. She was she was all those things. Mm. It was not even close to thinking that this is possible that this would ever enter her mind. Yeah. Well, depression is a strange and and violent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to we have to pray for one another, and especially for those um, who 
seem like they're beyond our prayers, that's what All Souls Day is all about. And I prayed All Souls Day with a special uh, fervor for her yeah. and the All Souls Novena, because I was like, that's what we do. We intercede for people, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they say, oh, what's the church doing with all their with all their money and all their, you know, like, fancy vestments? Mm-hmm. And what do you guys do all day? It's like, we pray for uh, deceased souls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one day, like... You might be one of them, so <laughs> you appreciate this. Yeah. So give to the Archbishop of Catholic appeal. So, yeah, you know, one, one thing I thought about when you said that too—that that's really beautiful because I I think you're right. Objectively, that child was harmed by this, but subjectively, that child desires his mother to be in the same body of Christ in heaven with him for all eternity. Yeah. And there's something you know beautiful. You know, to imagine being at the judgment seat and you know having hurt people and to kind of, you know, in a, in a in a romanticized or literary way, you know, saying, you know, God kind of we we see very clearly after death, so we see all the people we've hurt. You know, I, I think it'd be a very beautiful thing to be able to be. You know, I'm I'm standing before the throne of God and I'm I'm being I'm I'm all of a sudden acutely aware of all the people I've hurt and then yeah. to like I become aware. You know, again, overly romanticized. I become aware of of this person I hurt, and then, you know, almost like in, in a Hollywood way, you hear the person say, "Like I forgive you," and then it's it's just wiped away. You right. know, so I you know I do that. So forgive, of course, I've done a podcast on forgiveness, but but I, I think maybe something to do for this is that to acknowledge that when people do commit suicide, when 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 people you know they they do hurt the people around them. You know, I mean, it it is it is in a sense for those those of us that have had friends and family who have committed suicide. I have two siblings whose godparents committed suicide. You know, wow. two of the five, and it's like so. You know, the, the, this there's this when you have someone as a, in the family who's committed suicide, a family and friends. There's something about you know we have to acknowledge that the, that they hurt us. You know, in, in a way, and I, I think that one of the ways of of softening their judgment too like we do is is to forgive them i mean i don't think i think it's 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 hard to say yeah. someone who has committed suicide has hurt me it's, it's hard to vocalize because that's a hard thing but they do they do hurt the people around yeah. them and 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 it, it, we we can oh, moon clock's back it's back <laughs> we, we we can we can soften their judgment through our prayer, through the body of Christ, yeah. through the funeral, but also just by 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 working towards forgiveness towards them so that when when they do stand before the judgment seat and they they, you know, it is acknowledged becomes they become aware of the people they've hurt that they can hear our voice saying you know I for, I forgive you right. I do you know and again don't don't do it don't just say it but you know pray talk to your spiritual director work towards actual forgiveness of those who have hurt you even those who have hurt you by harming themselves yeah. and, and then and that's a great you know point. forget it's just I don't think that's a topic that comes up enough and it just dawned on me but you know work work to forgive those who have died and if their deaths hurt you you know, even more sense to say the death did hurt me. I acknowledge that a percent, and I forgive them, or I'm, I'm I would desire to forgive them, and I pray that one day I can completely. Yeah. So yeah, amen. Well, um, I know it's a heavy topic, folks. It's the last day of November, so uh, if you can, you know, today say a short prayer for all the souls of the faithful departed. Amen. They may rest in peace. All right. Um, I only have one shout out. Go ahead. Um, so Tom Stewart uh, from Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, called. Very kind. He called and uh, he set up. You know, when are you saying mass and whatever else? And, nice. And I just had a crazy week, so I totally forgot. And then all of a sudden, he kind of looks at me, and I look at him, and I was like, "Can I help you?" And he's like, "I'm Tom." I'm like, "Hi." <laughs> and, I, and he's and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh yes, that's right." Uh, so Tom came out for a conference and and uh, took an Uber up to uh, the uh, to St. Joan of Arc and uh, gave us a bottle of Michter's Straight Rye. Ooh, I love Michter's. Really? Yeah. His buddy is like one of the distillers. Really? Yeah. Tom. So, dude. And, and I said to Tom, I said, Tom, <laughs> what do you think about doing a Catholic stuff, uh, a Catholic stuff um, bourbon trail pilgrimage? And he's like, mm. I'm all about it. So we would we would go to each of the places, but then we would find like the shrines and everything, so we could make it a pilgrimage instead of vacation. But uh, Tom wanted me to give a shout out to 
uh, Gary Honchins, Gary Honchins, and Dwayne Dwayne Mattingly. Uh, so thanks, Tom. We can't enjoy it tonight because uh, Father Michael is in the pre-Christmas fast. Yes, um, but uh, I will <laughs> later. You're not in yours yet. That's right. And we've had that discussion whether Advent's a penitential. Don't season. do it. <laughs> I won't get you started. I know. For us Byzantines, it is absolutely a penitential right. season, and we do 40 days instead of four weeks. So, yes, I am already in. No, I know. In we probably should do something. But. Actually, I will talk about that in my podcast. A little okay. Bit, so, upcoming uh, next week. You'll sure. Hear about that. So. All right. Um, I just I, w- I want a quick shout out to uh, to Emily Brand, who was one of the pilgrims I did not mention, but I know she listens, and she is now in transitioning from uh, being in the Air Force to. God willing, flying commercial for Alaska Airlines. So, Ooh, so nice. congratulations, Emily. She's taking the time in between to like see, I think, every national park in the whole country. And wow. She's a huge hiker and stuff. So, how do you know her? Uh, from the first pilgrimage I did with Leah. Oh, fun. Yeah. She was on that, and then she came to the second one too. She brings different sisters on these, so she brings them and bonds with them, and I think it's a beautiful idea. So, yeah. Different sisters? Well, she has three sisters. Oh, and so okay. she yeah, brought yeah. one sister to the first and the second one, so now we got to do another one so they can bring What's her name sister. again? Emily. Emily. Emily Brandt. Yeah. Emily Brandt. So Captain Emily Captain Brandt. Emily Brandt. Captain Emily Brandt. So she is she is the only female that I have brought to my Monday night cigar club. Wow. Because those guys get pretty crazy sometimes and I'm always a little bit afraid to yeah, uh, to I bring women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was not afraid of bringing Emily and she handled her own incredibly well. Nice. And I'm very proud of her for that. It was great. Okay. Well folks, uh if we can just close with a prayer and and then uh We'll sign off in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, we pray for all of the souls uh, who have died in whatever manner, in whatever state of grace. Uh, we beg your mercy for all. Uh, we pray for our family members, our friends, our benefactors. We pray for um, all those who have helped us throughout our life. We pray for um, our enemies and those we find difficult to love. Uh, we ask that you would have mercy on them and on mercy on us, um, and that one day we may be reconciled in your kingdom where you are Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Folks, have a great uh, Advent in whatever manner you choose to celebrate it. Catholic Stuff Podcast, <laughs> gmail.com, Facebook, like, like us on Facebook, iTunes, Twitter. All right. Et cetera. Laters. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>